What if you were better equipped to beat your best in any situation life throws at you? What if you were able to realize game-changing breakthroughs and achieve your goals fearlessly and without restriction? My mission is to help you level up your mindset to achieve peak performance so you can accomplish the most audacious goals you have in life and in business while embracing the highs and lows of every journey. To do that, I'm going to explore topics that challenge how you think and help explain why you show up in the world the way you do. By accepting the challenge, you'll think better, you'll feel better, and you'll perform better every day. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, mindset and peak performance coach, business consultant, thought leader, author, and award-winning educator. And it's a good day to do great things. This is the Quest for Life podcast. We've all had days where we feel blah. Those are the days where we don't feel like doing anything, and it's a normal part of life, especially with the busy and distracted nature of contemporary life in the United States and the modern world. While waning motivation can be a signal of depression in extreme cases, the ebbing and flowing nature of motivation is tied to something more straightforward, mindset. And there are many reasons for this. Now, since this podcast is dedicated to helping you level up your mindset to achieve peak performance, I thought it appropriate to address the topic. Specifically, I'm going to discuss signs to be on the lookout for when your drive and motivation wanes, in addition to ways you can boost your motivation during those periods when you feel less driven. Let's get started. Researchers at the Stern School of Business at New York University, Andrea Benezzi, C. Miguel Brendel, and Matteo De Angelis, published a study titled Stuck in the Middle, The Psychophysics of Goal Pursuit. For context, psychophysics is a branch of psychology that deals with the relationships between physical stimuli and mental phenomena. For example, psychophysics researchers study blue light coming from screens and how it affects our brain. Music is another example of this. It's long been said that classical music aids studying and ultimately aids better exam scores. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but that is something psychophysics researchers might study. They might also study different types of chemicals and how those chemicals affect the brain, such as nicotine or alcohol, and addressing the high that we get from consuming those chemicals and or the relaxation effects from the consumption of those chemicals. What the researchers found was that people's motivation toward achieving their goals begins to wane at about the halfway point and doesn't pick up again until they see the finish line. Another way of saying this is that people are generally motivated to pursue a goal with enthusiasm from the outset because they acknowledge the payoff associated with accomplishing their goal. Roughly halfway through, however, their motivation begins to wane largely because the starting point and the end point seem too distant. It seems too far away, which creates the impression that the effort they're expending isn't paying off. Consider this. Consider college students. They have the motivation to enroll in college, and now they're you know, two or three years in, and their motivation starts to wane because from the time they enrolled to graduation date, both of those points seem too far away. They seem too distant. And that's one of the reasons why motivation wanes during a college student's academic career. 
consider this. Consider you might be interested in running a marathon. I don't know why. I'm definitely not a distance runner. I'm a sprinter. I was a tennis player. But for those people who embark on running a marathon, there is a training build that must take place in preparation for that race. And it might be six or seven or eight or months or longer in, to prepare for this. And the build can be demotivating in many ways when you're kind of stuck in the middle of it because the enthusiasm you had right from the start having made the decision to run a marathon and train for that marathon and then actual race day just seems too far off. Another example might be the desire to read Moby Dick and the 378 pages that comprises that that book. Now, I've never read Moby Dick. I really don't have any desire to read Moby Dick, but you can see how the starting point and the end point can seem too distant from the initial motivation to get started all the way through to the end. Now, the first 20 pages, you're probably fairly motivated. The last 20 pages, you're probably fairly motivated. But when you're at page 165 and you see how much you have left relative to what you've already accomplished, the, the goal seems just too far away. Additionally, more recent research also supports the idea that motivation declines as we age. As the neurocircuitry in the part of our brain called the basal ganglia becomes suppressed over time. The basal ganglia are a collection of brain centers linked to habit formation, control of voluntary movement, emotion, and addiction. And it's a dopamine hog. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is part of our incentive reward system in our brain that not only makes us happy, especially whenever we achieve a goal, but it also serves to drive motivation. And we see in Parkinson's, Parkinson's patients where they can't control their voluntary movement largely because it's the absence of dopamine. And as we age, this area is suppressed largely due to diminishing levels of dopamine, wherein the costs of engaging in new learning or experiences are more, quote, expensive than the perceived rewards. All of this is to assert that motivation ebbs and flows for a variety of reasons. Now, assuming you're not dealing with depression, here are some signs that that inform you that you're low on drive and motivation and not simply being lazy. Number one, you dread getting up in the morning. Perhaps you're a high school student or a college student that has an early morning class you can't stand where the content or the instructor or both just doesn't blow your hair back. Now, obviously, we're not talking about my students. Clearly, they are over the top enthusiastic about getting up and attending my 7 a.m. classes. But for those other those other instructors where students just aren't overly enthusiastic to attend their classes. That's who I'm talking about. All kidding aside, when the student's alarm goes off, it's easy to accept a better offer in the form of rolling over, getting snugly warm again, and going back to sleep. Perhaps you're a working professional that hates your job. Despite the dread you feel about having to get up and go to work, you know you have far too many obligations to fulfill, and it's, it's not likely that you're going to get the better offer the student got. This doesn't change the reality that you're unmotivated to get out of bed, but it provides valuable information as to whether your career goals are aligned with your values. Number two, you take significantly longer to complete tasks than you anticipated. In many ways, this relates to poor energy management. 
Be sure to check out season three, episode eight of the Quest for Life podcast, Manage Energy, Not Time. Make no mistake, each of us has tasks we don't enjoy doing. But knowing this is valuable as it allows us to prioritize how we go about completing those tasks. Getting them done and out of the way first can serve to motivate you the rest of the day. And I'm a big proponent of this. As you assess what you need to complete during the day, get those things you you like to do least and or the most time consuming things, get those things done first. That can actually serve to propel motivation the rest of the day. Number three, you're living your life on autopilot. Research indicates that we have between 60 and 70,000 thoughts per day, most of which in upwards of 95% are reinforced neurochemically every day. In effect, it's Groundhog Day every day because you know what you need to do, you know how to do it, and yet you're not excited about it. And despite the dissatisfaction, you keep doing it because it's familiar and engaging in unfamiliar activities requires change and change is hard. Change requires a lot of energy. So it's easy to defer to the familiar, at least neurochemically. Number four, you do the bare minimum. You might think of yourself as a hard worker and on most days you are until your motivation starts to wane. When it does, you engage in your work or relationships and give minimal effort and energy. At work, you do just enough to keep your manager off your back and to not get fired. In relationships, you engage in conversations just enough or you do enough favors to stay in people's good graces, but nothing more. Number five, you have no new life goals. This one's tough as not assessing and reassessing where you want to go in life gives you nothing to aim at and it gives you no challenge to pursue. And not challenging yourself is ultimately harmful to your psychology and emotional well-being. Remember, research informs us that setting a goal is inherently motivating and certainly nearing the achievement of that goal is motivating, even though the middle can be a bit arduous to navigate. Each of these five signs are illustrative that something is off mindset wise. And while it's not an exhaustive list, it's indicative of the types of tells to be on the lookout for. As for ways to boost motivation, it's really easy for a coach to say, stop waiting, stop relying on your motivation, do something, do anything. I know I've been guilty of giving this advice in the past when speaking with family or friends. I mean, it's the athletic coaching equivalent of just do better. It's weak advice, even though it isn't wrong advice. To be more effective, however, we need a nuanced approach whereby we take stock of the many shades of gray rather than looking at things simply in black or white. One of the most effective ways to ensure motivation doesn't wane or wanes less frequently or intensely is to build a life of disciplined habits. For example, do you need motivation to brush your teeth or to shower or to put on your shoes? Each is a basic habit if you wanna be socially acceptable. Discipline habits are more consistent than the ebbs and flows of motivation as they require less motivation to perform. Let me repeat that. Discipline habits or developing discipline habits, they're more consistent than the ebbs and flows of motivation. They require less motivation to perform. 
This is because habits once formed are ingrained in our subconscious. For example, I wake up at 3.30 every day. I've said this on this podcast before. I'm not advocating other people do that. This is a disciplined habit that I formed a number of years ago, and it allows me to get into my day the way I want to get into my day. Physical activity. I engage in regular physical activity. I knock out at least 10,000 steps every day and have done for years, in addition to more structured workouts. This is a disciplined habit that I know has physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual benefit by having participated in that physical activity. I also knock out the unfavorable tasks first every day. There are those things that I don't enjoy. There are those things that I don't like having you know, held over my head to have to get to. So I get to them and knock them out first thing. It also gives me the oomph to, to tackle those other things the rest that I've got lined up the rest of the day. I've also in the last nine months or so, and this is this is perfectly strange. I've become a vegetarian. Almost 99% of what I consume is vegetarian. Now, I don't have any ideological uh, position on the consumption of animal-derived products, but something strange happened, and I started craving more fruits and vegetables, and I just kind of adopted this, and it's actually become a disciplined habit that has led to unbelievable benefit, particularly in the way I manage my energy. So if you want to run a marathon, build a habit of running every day. If you want to write a book, build a habit of writing 500 words per day. If you want to start a podcast, schedule 60 minutes at the same time every day to write or research the content. Whatever the goal, make sure the habits align to the successful achievement of that goal. Let me say that again. If you have a goal, make sure the habits align with the successful achievement of that goal. That sets yourself up to achieving that goal. And doing so levels up your mindset. Another way to boost your motivation is to surround yourself with driven, motivated people. If you spend the majority of your social life or professional life around people that are successful and high performing, there's no doubt you'll be influenced by their thoughts and beliefs which will very likely have a positive impact on your life, unless, of course, you're envious or self-conscious of their success, which is another challenge altogether. The converse is, is true, too. If you hang around people that are less productive or have the proclivity to complain all the time, you're going to be influenced by their thoughts and beliefs as well. Further, if your environment detracts from your ability to form new habits, whether it's people or something in your physical environment like noise or other distractions, motivation is sure to wane as those things don't allow you to align yourself with achieving your goal. Level up your mindset by evaluating the people with whom you spend the most amount of time and determine the extent to which you need to make adjustments toward spending time with those people that boost motivation rather than drain it. Another way to boost motivation is to set realistic goals. Before I continue, what I'm not talking about here is setting goals that are easily achieved. What I'm not talking about is setting the bar low enough where you know you can get over it. Research supports the notion that goals that are easily attained are psychologically and emotionally harmful in the sense that they might be motivating at first, but motivation wanes sooner than later. 
the reason is we as humans are goal-oriented creatures, which is why not having a goal or a name is in fact psychologically and emotionally harmful as we are quite literally running counter to our very nature by not setting goals or setting goals too low. Setting realistic goals that are achievable with effort and have a stretch component not only allows you to be motivated from the start and feel motivated as you approach the finish line, but it also creates a cascading positive feedback loop as you set your next goal. You think about it this way, having a belief that you can see something from the beginning through to the end is a powerful mindset. In psychological terms, it's known as self-efficacy, and it's a driving force in your ability to persist, particularly when adversity strikes. For example, perhaps you want to earn a six-figure salary and you're nowhere near that. You'll likely need to enhance your skill set or expand your professional network, perhaps both, which requires you to level up your mindset. You could set another goal of obtaining the necessary experience or credential, perhaps going back to school and earning your undergraduate degree or going to a trade school and learning that specific trade in order to enhance your experience and credential to set yourself up to getting that job. Or you could attend networking events. Each of these smaller goals helps you align with the larger goal of earning a six-figure income. Still, another way to prevent motivation from waning is to ensure that you're living in accordance with your values. I highly recommend that you list these out. Some common life values are compassion, family, success, and integrity. Narrow your values down and consider ranking them in order of importance to you. From there, evaluate whether you're living by them at work, in your relationships, or in your spare time. A personal story, my daughter's mother and I, we had our values and our values were complete, a complete mismatch to what it would take to have a successful marriage. Both she and I placed our career first. We valued that first. We didn't put each other in our marriage first. We certainly didn't put God in our marriage first. We made it about career and it, it created a massive imbalance in how we went about engaging with one another. It's a cautionary tale of not living by your values. And our, our values are those things we hold close to our heart. They, they matter a great deal to, the, to us. In fact, they're likely our, our driving force, the reason for us to pursue our purpose in life in the first place. Now, this can be a bit of a chicken and egg debate. Does a, a value setting or va defining what our values are relative to our purpose in life, which one comes first? I'm not entirely sure. But it's what we know is it's miserable to work at a job or be in a relationship that doesn't align with our values. And so in such cases, it's no wonder that motivation wanes. Lastly, and this is closely related to value alignment, as I just mentioned, is finding your purpose in life, finding your why. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once wrote, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. This is an interesting idea. In World War II, when the Nazis were bombing Great Britain, there were mental hospitals that were virtually empty except for the patients that were there. All of the, all of the hospital staff were, were either in bunkers or, or trying to you know, help the, the British you know, defend their island. And what was fascinating is there was no one, uh, no one available to drive fire trucks or ambulances. And then there were, there were these 
there were these male patients that had been in a catatonic state for five or 10 years and all of a sudden got up. They got up to you know, drive ambulances and fire trucks. And up until that point, they hadn't had really anything to live for. Somehow, some way, they were able to discover their why. And it, it actually snapped them out of that state. It's an utterly remarkable thing to consider. You see, our purpose, our why, is our reason for being, and it's very difficult, almost impossible, unless there's an underlying medical condition, to be unmotivated in the pursuit of your why. That's why it's essential to discover your purpose. This, and this can be applied to smaller things like tasks at work. For example, ask yourself, what is my why for doing my best on this task? Or why is this task important to me? Or what's the deeper reason for me doing this task well? Whether it's your life's purpose or finding your why you know, in doing things on a micro level, keeping an eye on your deeper reasons for doing anything makes it markedly easier to stay motivated. And when we do, our performance only improves. As we close in on another episode of the Quest for Life podcast, Imagine what your life would be like if you could have almost all of your days and the time spent in those days feeling energized and motivated to push into and through the struggle and adversity to achieve your goals, however big or small. How good would it feel to cross the finish line after having run a marathon? How good would it feel to have read Moby Dick? I'm not sure about that one, but it's illustrative. More practically, how good would it feel to wake up in the morning not dreading your day? Conversely, how good would it feel to wake up in the morning looking forward to what the day had in store? The reality is that staying motivated and achieving your goals is within your grasp. It's within your control, and it's about leveling up your mindset. As usual, it's food for thought, fellow questers. Be sure to follow the show and pass it on to a friend. You can download the show notes at thequestforlife.com. That's quest number four, life.com. Feel free to contact me if you're interested in learning more about leveling up your mindset to achieve peak performance in all areas of your life. I look forward to hearing from you. As always, thank you for joining the conversation.